0: Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. This podcast is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Check out skywaymember.com to learn more. We're returning to fundamental concepts here. We did an overview of of a high-level overview of all of the acquisition time zones a few episodes ago. Now we'll go through them one by one. All right, let's get started. We're talking about the requirement zone, the first of the acquisition time zones. You'll remember, we start with the requirement zone, then market research, then RFP zone, then the selection zone. At that point, a contract's awarded, and we move into the execution time zones, which we're not talking about today.
1: These zones, they apply everywhere whether you're using a government credit card under a micro-purchase or a simplified acquisition procedure under FAR 13.5 or all the other acquisition strategies that are available, like the full source selection under FAR Part 15 and GSA fair opportunity under FAR 16.5 and FAR 8 or multiple award contracts or a sole source contract, blanket purchase agreements, 8 a hub zone, you name it right? And we have podcasts for all of those. But the idea is these time zones, this flow applies in every acquisition.
0: Before we get into the requirement zone, the first of the acquisition time zones, let's stop and say thanks.
1: Thanks this week goes to John Mullins. John is the Director of Air Force Operations at IndraSoft. Uh, IndraSoft provides information technology services to both civilian and defense customers. I want to thank John for liking and engaging with our podcast content on LinkedIn. Specifically, I want to thank John for sharing our Stages of Money episode. That was uh, episode 262. That episode was released almost a year ago, and people are still listening to it. Thanks in no small part to folks like John taking the time to share our podcast episodes on LinkedIn.
0: Thanks, John. All right, into the requirement zone. The requirement zone starts when the government says we have a problem. What do we need? What problem are we trying to solve? The government is trying to get clarity on what problem they need to solve and document that problem in the form of a requirement.
1: It's easy to get caught up in a solution. Is is you know we need to, but we need to focus on the problem first. Uh, Zig Ziglar old school sales coach guy. He says, people don't need a quarter inch drill bit. That's a solution. They need a quarter inch hole. That mindset helps you understand what does the customer need or, or what do they want? And it's it can be very difficult to write a requirement or a specification if you're focused on the solution because you have to think about how do we document and describe a quarter inch
0: hole? Yeah, we've talked about this before on many podcasts writing a clear requirement or specification is a very difficult task i'll get back to that in a bit the requirement zone starts when a need is identified there's a problem to be solved and the requirement zone ends when a requirement is documented then we move on to the next zone the market research zone
1: it's important, not again, I, I pound the desk on this. Don't get distracted. Okay. The requirement is the what. What do we need? And like you said, it's hard to 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 clarify that and quantify it. But the acquisition strategy, that's next. That's the how. We'll talk about how to buy this thing later. But right now we got to talk about what it is. What problem are we actually solving?
0: What's going on during this stage? The government customer, the government is is drafting the specification. Or they could be just updating the specification or the requirement from last time they bought this or competed this requirement. This phase comes many times before industry is even aware that the government is going to release a solicitation. Industry may know it's coming up because they know the current contract is expiring, but they they don't have the official word yet. The government is still in requirements documentation mode
1: this requirements development zone, it can overlap the market research zone or or even the RFP zone, but that's a really advanced. But more likely, once they define what the problem is, then they tiptoe into the market research zone and realize, oh, well, that's how industry solves it. Then they can come back to the requirement zone and refine based on what they learn. But the requirement is all about documenting what problem is the government trying to solve.
0: Yeah, it's an iterative thing. You start out, you write down your requirement, you go do some market research. You may say, let's move on and release a solicitation. You may say, oh, back to the drawing board, we need to refine our requirement a little bit before we go live with this thing. Working with a Skyway customer on an enterprise IT services and support acquisition, the government agency, through RFI's request for information, sought input from industry on the current challenges and technology initiatives. They're asking industry, how would you recommend that we, the government agency approach these challenges? So they got input and they released a draft solicitation. This is deep into the market research zone, right? They put out another RFI and asked for more specific input. Then they did a pre-proposal conference where they had over 50 vendors in the room to help them define, how do we write this requirement? How do we get this right? So they use that process to go back, refine the requirement and then launch the solicitation and move into the RFP zone and the selection zone.
1: They're in the pursuit of the perfect requirement, right? And the perfect requirement has three touchstones, keystones, whatever the the term you wanna use.
0: Three blue boxes if you're looking at our charts. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Which you're not, because you're listening to a podcast. (laughs) <laughs> so the
1: three, the first of the three big blocks, the three big blocks, I think blocks is a better term. The blocks are to clarify, quantify, and qualify. So clarifying the requirement, what is the need? Can industry clearly understand what we want from the government side? That's the question is, does industry understand it? And the number of times that I thought they did and they didn't, and I got something <laughs> I didn't want, it's to clarify you really got to clarify what is this and does under, and does industry understand it second part is quantify is how much how many how often because those things change the overall way that the industry will deliver but you got to define those up front how often are we going to need this
0: it can change who can compete as well it can change which offers play right if you need 40 million of something you might not get small businesses that are qualified to deliver. So it's important to be clear up front, how many, how often?
1: And the last block is, is how do you qualify? You have to qualify how this requirement is going to be met. What is good enough? What is great enough? And then do we need to tell the difference? If it's a commercial item, the difference between good and great is in the eye of the beholder, right? If it's a specialized piece of software or a special pro- specialized product for the military, the user <laughs> is going to be the decider. But we have to decide that up front to say what is going to be good enough. And that's part of the requirement is you have to be able to understand what's going to be good enough. So clarify, quantify, and qualify, as you said, are the three blue boxes on the screen.
0: Yeah. Moving to the space industry, after being in the aircraft industry as a government contracting officer, I was surprised by the, the quality requirements changes. Right, that, That's part of writing the requirement. What is good enough? Well, for an aircraft, in most cases, if something goes wrong, slightly wrong, you can land the plane, fix it, and fly again. With a satellite, once you launch it, you don't usually get to get your hands on it again to fix it, so the quality yeah. requirements are a lot higher, and you have to be clear on that upfront when you're writing the requirement because it changes who can play. Like like we said, who can play, and how you're going to go about creating an acquisition strategy to acquire it.
1: That's a really great point to make sure you're under you. You understand how your industry defines quality, and more importantly, that the seller. And the buyer both understand that. Yeah.
0: Use the words that industry uses to to describe quality. Yeah. I've bought
1: products and services and and space related items and aircraft. And as you're saying that the number of different ways, different industries define quality. If you try and take the definition of quality from a product, a commercial product and put it on a a military product, it's going to be tough. (laughs) So that's a really good insight. Sorry, rabbit trail. <laughs> we could talk about this on a whole other podcast.
0: All right, let's talk about communication through the acquisition time zones. When you're in the requirement zone, communications between the government and industry are wide open, should be wide open, aren't always wide open, but should be wide open. It's common that we're talking to our Skyway customers about communications and their confused about whether or not they can talk to the government right now. What, what happens? I, I, I didn't think I was allowed to talk to that person. Uh, during the requirement zone, you should be allowed to talk to everyone. And on the government side, I got to say, as a young contracting officer, I was often confused or, or paranoid that, oh, I can't talk to this person or I can't let, can't let the technical people talk to these companies because it'll somehow bias the outcome and I'll end up with a protest and it'll all go wrong. During the requirement zone, it's wide open. It should be wide open. This is where we're trying to learn.
1: Yeah, the, the more communication, the better at this stage, honestly.
0: It's important to focus on the requirement because if you pick the wrong requirement, we buy something that no one uses.
1: Yeah, one of our customers was looking for a training solution. And what they the requirement they had was to train their team. And they bought a subscription to a training platform and then the employees didn't use it. And so this happens on the government side too. You say, hey, here's a great solution and you buy it and it doesn't solve the problem. So th- th- you can see these time zones are really important in every acquisitioning, B2B and B2G. But it goes back to understanding what is the requirement. The requirement is to train the people. Well, what's the best way to do that? A-, a way to do it is to buy a subscription to training. But you know what? If they don't want to log into their computer, if they don't like the platform, etc. cetera, you bought something they didn't use. And I've done that as a as a president of Skyway. I've done that. And I've also done that as a contracting uh, officer.
0: You said B2B and B2G, business to business and business to government, otherwise known as commercial or GovCon. There, there's a, a lot of different ways to describe this.
1: Yeah, you, you sometimes call that the real world. The real
0: world, <laughs> it's not the the non-government government world. world. Right. right. So next to picking the wrong requirement, the second worst thing is, To do a poor job defining your requirement if you can't define the requirement well then you've built in context and communication gaps before you even start if you can't write it clearly industry has no chance of understanding how to meet it or to exceed it and make you super happy if you write a specification that's beyond state of the art Industry will tell you they will solve your problem. It's going to be very expensive and take a long time if it's something they've never done before. If you just understand, oh, if I dial this back a little bit, then it's currently made for other industries and I can just buy it off the shelf or buy it slightly modified. That's a good thing. If your spec is, is really close to something that exists, but, but just not quite right, well, then you end up with expensive modifications that you may not even need. This is where the communication back and forth between industry and government is so important. So industry can guide them. You're going just a little too far with that requirement.
1: And that happens because the government looks at a solution and says, hey, if we could just get that in green, it'll solve our problem. But see, that's a solution. You're not looking back to your requirement because maybe the paint, the pigment for the color green is like the most expensive there is out there, right? That's the, I'm raising my hand because I've done that. It's very easy to look at a solution and go, oh, if we can just tweak that, you you got to go back to the requirement. And then industry will tell you, yeah, if you want that one in green, here's what you have to do.
0: Another common requirement problem is trying to solve a similar problem for slightly different users. Sometimes that happens when we bundle a whole bunch of requirements together because we're trying to do one acquisition instead of four, but the, the requirements aren't really matched to the way industry delivers things. So you end up with awkward teaming arrangements and and. Not the and maybe not the true experts for each of those unlike things. The other issue goes back to the two things like the F-35 program, which we've talked about many times, the joint strike fighter. Trying to buy one aircraft for the Air Force requirements, the Navy requirements, and the Marine requirements means that you get three different aircraft that look somewhat similar on the outside, but don't really solve anyone's problems well sub optimize across the board
1: when i was a special operations command uh, i think i think it may have been the commander talked about the, the challenges of having a homogenized requirement where you take all these like the army navy th- they get the seals you got the range you got all these different people say poof here's a commoditized service that'll solve all your problems and it it's hard sometimes it makes sense full disclosure when you're buying it products it makes complete sense but A lot of times it doesn't. And again, writing that requirement and deciding when it's going to work and when it won't is not easy.
0: You don't want to end up sort of solving everyone's problem and having no one happy with the solution.
1: Yeah, maybe I'm overstating it, but the importance of the requirement is think in terms of garbage in, garbage out. If you don't clearly have something that both sides understand, the rest of these zones are going (laughs) to be less than fun.
0: You have little chance of delivering something that supports the mission as intended if you can't clearly write the requirement. Government folks know this stuff is hard. Writing a requirement is a very, very difficult task, especially for very complex buys.
1: It can be as much art as science because, yes, there are checklists galore for it, but you still have to... It's a thinking part of the job. you got to think through how to actually write this down. And part of the challenge is that in some cases, with military and Special Operations Command in particular, getting this documentation from people who, they don't really necessarily like to document. I mean, I think in terms of asking a Navy SEAL to sit down and and write out the requirement. That that's not something he wants to spend his time doing. <laughs> and so, you know, apply that to to DHS and to NASA and to you know these people. They, they they're working. They don't have time to sit down and deal with you acquisition people. So it's again, it's a hard part of the job.
0: Yeah, it might might be more difficult in some professions, but it, it's always difficult to get users who just want the problem solved to sit down and really describe it. And even then, if if you can get them to do it. Not everyone can clearly take their thoughts and put it on paper or into an electronic document, I guess, in a way that is is clear and easy to understand. At
1: its core, the government's job is to rewind away from the solution back to what is the requirement, because it is so easy to jump to a solution. So that idea of rewinding yourself back to, okay, back to back to the core. What's the requirement? What's the problem we're trying to solve? Does this solution even come close to doing that? And you'll see yourself getting off track.
0: That's actually an important contribution that contracting officers can bring to the process because they're generally outside of the requirement. But they can read and say, are we trying to buy solutions here or are we documenting the requirement and letting industry provide the solution to solve that problem? Flipping over to the industry side, Industry cannot solve a problem that they don't understand. They can't. They can't be guessing at what you need or how you need it or when you need it.
1: There, there are two ways to come at this. The first way is where the government generally understands the requirement and how to solve it. They think, and so they say, "Hey, industry, show me what you got." And so it's like the the "show me what you have" mindset. If industry doesn't clearly understand what the government wants, then they're guessing. And they're in a position where they have to say, well, do you want the orange one? Do you want the green one? Do you want the light one? Do you want the heavy one? Do you want the fast one? Do you want the one that comes with all these service modules? There's a lot of guessing going on because the requirement isn't completely understood by industry.
0: And the government's constrained. They can't say, I want this brand name many times They're not able to specify they want this brand name, so they have to write around that to get to, I wanted the orange one. During the requirement zone, the government may not understand that they even have a problem. This is why open communication matters. Industry can help government understand that, hey, the world has changed or this new thing is happening. And we all need to care now. This is a problem that needs to be solved. So, industry can kind of build themselves into the requirement by educating the government. The government may have a problem and have solutions that they've already acquired, but they may not understand how a problem is solved by something new. Or they may have developed something 20 years ago that they've been using and now. It's standard in the commercial industry that it's done slightly differently. So they could just buy it off the shelf, but the government wants to keep buying the same way they always have. And the incumbent, of course, wants to them to keep buying from them that way, right? right. Exactly. Potential solutions change over time, or, or evolve at least. If you, say, need to, need to get three astronauts from the Earth up to the International Space Station... In the old days, for the government to do something like that, well, let's build a rocket, because there's not even uh, rockets that exist that are able to do this. Well, first got to build a space station, but that's another problem. To move astronauts from from Earth to orbit, the government is the only game in town. So they have to build a rocket, or then they build a space shuttle that, that makes it easier to do that, go back and forth. As time passes, commercial industry is building rockets on their own. The government isn't the only one in the launch business. So now you can just buy a launch from someone else, you don't have to build it from scratch or buy it from scratch. And at this point, we've reached the stage where you can buy astronaut delivery service. On a commercial basis, you can buy delivery of these three astronauts to the space station. Pretty cool. If the government keeps trying to do it the same way they always have, You end up with outdated technology that's super expensive and hard to maintain. We talked before about about trying to find software developers who understand Fortran because there's still government systems that are running on ancient, ancient code.
1: (laughs) I had a couple of Fortran developers that lived in really austere environments and were paid a lot of money because they were the only ones that could do it and were willing to live in
0: those places to do it. All right, Kevin, let's wrap up this overview of the requirement zone.
1: Bottom line is you need a requirement before you can start the acquisition process. Whether you're buying toilet paper, putting a deck on your house, again, (laughs) lawn service, or, or delivering astronauts to the space station, the requirement documentation, and to clarify, quantify, and qualify. Those three pillars are critically important because again garbage in garbage out. That sounds harsh, but it yeah. this is the first stage. This is the first of the 8 zones and like you, like you said before, if we bake in problems, they're going to be hard to pull out later.
0: Requirements documentation is difficult work and it's often done completely behind the scenes. It all works better for better mission results in the end if we're communicating openly from the earliest identification of a requirement. That's what the FAR says, FAR 15.201A, says that communication should be wide open from the earliest identification of a requirement. I think perhaps it should say from the earliest identification of a need or a problem to be solved in order to develop the requirement.
1: Yeah, but when when they ask us to update the FAR, that's one of the, I would change the word requirement to problem. As soon as you know there's a problem,
0: start talking. Our problem isn't usually starting talking. Our problem is usually stopping talking. So let's stop here. I'll talk to you later.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I'll see you, Paul.
0: Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast, brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. To begin building your relationship with Skyway's team of former contracting officers, Call us at 877-884-5280 or visit skywaymember.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.